Welcome to the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat Podcast. Now, sit back and enjoy while Nick and Trevor help you use your technology to make money and delight your clients. Well, hello again, and welcome to the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat Podcast. Trevor, our first time on LinkedIn today. Isn't that exciting? On LinkedIn? Wow, that is exciting. Yeah, after six months of waiting, I finally got granted the rights to stream to my um my, my personal feed. So we're, we're streaming live to LinkedIn, we're live to Facebook, we're live to YouTube. It is it is quite exciting when we're both in lockdown. Hmm. That's a good time to be live on the internet. <laughs> it is, it is. I did, I did say all the best things come out of New South Wales, as Victoria and now South Australia are realising. But um, Yeah, I think Queensland <laughs> got one today as well, so here we go. Yes. Oh, well, it's all gone to custard, but never never mind, never mind. So today I thought we'd talk about um, spam phishing and whaling. Uh, can't do phishing in lockdown, Nick. Well, I've seen some people do it because I'm <laughs> on the northern beaches of New South Wales. We don't, we don't really do oh, You're allowed here. to. I think we are. We're allowed to play golf You're allowed to go well. fishing. God, yeah. no way. Oh, that's it. Because the only thing, the only effect it's having on me this lockdown is that I can't go to golf and I can't go to the pub. So yep. there you go. And I can drink yeah. beer at home, but I can't play golf at home. So, but you're allowed <laughs> yeah, to go fishing but, but, and you're allowed to go whaling. Get, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Leona gets upset when you play golf at home, my first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't like it. No. It wrecks her garden, <laughs> <laughs> breaks the windows. <laughs> Cool. So what I, what I wanted to have a chat about today, and we haven't really, we've spoken a little bit about IT security, but I've never really talked about all those weird emails that come in, how people breach your systems and, and what you can do with your people to kind of make that a bit more secure. So so, so like the emails I used to get from you. Which a, weren't from and, me. Which were asking me to transfer $100,000 to this bank account. And I'd say, Nick, and, you know, I'd ring you up and say, Nick, you know we don't have a hundred thousand dollars in the account right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they go, that not me, Trevor. <laughs> so, so that's that's called phishing. So let's let's start with some examples. So the, the first one is the the emailing someone and asking them to move some money around, and it normally starts with a yeah, you know, hey Trevor, are you busy? Or you know, have you got five minutes? Or those types of things. That's been around for a while, and that's called whaling. And the point of whaling is to go and kind of get. Um, money out of organizations so you're going out of whales um going after whales the other yeah, one's called so fi- you're you're marked as the ceo on the website so they go beauty nick is the ceo nick bojard i've got his email address you know and i will pretend but when you click on the email address it's not actually your email address it's someone else you know no it's, it, uh, it is someone else's although there yeah. are ways of sending it's not hard um in most small business environments to spoof an email address is coming from somebody and looking like it really does mm. so, so you've got to be super careful um so that that's whaling we'll talk about that in a little bit the other one's fishing um mm. which you're not allowed to do in lockdown but we are no. and fishing's fishing's all about going and trying to get credentials so I, I use an example that happened to me. I was, I was in Stanis Circular Key before lockdown, um, and I bought an umbrella from one of those dodgy little shops in Circular Key. And as I walked out the door, I got a text, and the text said, "Oh, this is St George Bank. We've noticed you've just done a, a, a transaction. We think is strange. Could you lo- click here to log into your banking account and verify the transaction?" <laughs> And, and I, I did. I'm I just sure. spent something, so I went. Oh, yeah, it's a dodgy shop. Oh, that, that's cool. You know, they're being secure. So I clicked on it and I typed in my details and I hit submit and it went incorrect username and password. 
And I went, mm, mm, I'll type it in again. And it was halfway through the second typing it in that I realized I actually wasn't talking to St. George Bank. I was talking to some hacker site where all they're doing is collecting these logins that they'll use later. So after a swift phone call to the real St. George Bank, I got all my details changed and, and that was fixed. But that was a clever one. And probably not, it, it, it was probably luck that they got me just after I'd spent something. Right? And it worked because no, I think it's more random. from the same dodgy site you bought the things from and then they... <laughs> They said, oh, here's some dodgy guy buying some dodgy thing. We'll, it will go and get him to click his details, you know. So they would probably, they would be sophisticated as that. They'd see the transaction probably. Yeah, so most hacks I've seen in business, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about one in a little bit, are, are that kind of thing, that phishing attack. Um, and the next thing is is just dodgy emails in general, right? People, mm. it's, it's the reactions you get from emails yeah i can send somebody i haven't seen for a while an email and say hey just let you know what i'm up to i'm doing this that, and the other um and 99 of people go yeah, that's cool nick really nice to hear from you and there's that one percent who go don't send me spam anymore and i'll go well, it wasn't spam but okay mm -hmm. I, I won't send you spam anymore um so there's this kind of junk email flying around and anybody who's had an email address for 10 years or more will have a million crappy emails yeah. flying into it on a regular basis but it's the phishing ones that i've seen most attack businesses so across the customers you work with how many have ever had you know somebody hijack an email account emails go out from somebody they shouldn't have um money stolen or ransomware Look, you know, I would say uh, ransomware <laughs> money stolen. We had that one. We had that one that was probably the um, that client we had up in Queensland that had um, that was probably the biggest one that we saw, where they did all three and stole money and got it and sent the whaling, sent the email and got it to put the iTunes money, sent it to a PO box, and then they got it to change her. And we found out about it because they convinced her to change her Office three six five account. That was probably the worst scenario. Um, you get a lot of people where they get um, out of nowhere, they'll start getting emails. That one has stopped a lot. And I would probably say those that are on Office 365 don't get the, where, their, where their accounts get hacked and all of a sudden they're sending emails out to everybody. I haven't seen much of that anymore. Um, yeah, I, I would say multi-factor multi authentication has kind of fixed that stone dead it's those orgs which still are resisting going multi-factor because it's hard for their users who are most at risk mm, yeah, so, yeah so prevalence in your customer base of multi-factor authentication because i say in my customer base everyone has it what's what's it like in in your world um look there, there's if, if they're on office 365 if they're using zero if they're using those they're used to it and they're doing it they don't like they still kick and moan about it but they they're getting they're understanding the benefit um, but some of the ones that are still like, you know, we're, we're still running around finding out they're on exchange servers and those sort of things. They've got no multi-factor. And, you know, I was talking to you just before, and we won't mention any names, but I was talking to you about that stock system the other day. And um, I, they gave me a, they gave me a login to their, their, their terminal server environment to access this thing. Now, the access was so simple. It was, and the passwords were horrendous. Um, we got in there, but to be able to use the software, that's another question. <laughs> to get to the data was another bit, but we, 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 we won't go there. But <laughs> but getting in there, you know, like, and it's disappointing, you know, that that we're that far down the track, and yeah. people still, uh, you know, 
go I, I just want an easy i want an easy password because i can't be bothered you know yep. trying to remember it and i don't like multi-factor because you know this and because you know i i don't want to have to click on something to get in here and and i hear it around the office too it's like oh damn blah, blah, blah. you know stop 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 because i've got a key in or got to get a text from my phone or yep. do something like that to have that but I think we should also talk what that concept of multi-factor authentication is and what it does. Mm -hmm. Like, what what's the purpose of it? Well, let's talk about the factors of authentication. And it's yeah. um, there's three. It's something you have, something you know, and something you are. Okay, so, so let me kind of explain. You have when, a device, yeah. When, yeah. When I'm trying to secure a system, the the most insecure way is just a username. So I go up to a system, I type in Trevor, and it gives me access to all of Trevor's stuff. Now, as we know, that's pretty insecure. But back in the day, internally inside networks, there were systems that did that. Yeah. yeah. Right? Which, uh, which is just scary. Um, then to add another, uh, the first factor of authentication, you add a password. Right? That's something you know, and you're meant to know it, and nobody else is meant to know it. So that's why they say um, make passwords complex, um, make them fairly long, don't put them in yellow stickies under your device. It's something you're meant to keep secret. So there's Oh, under the keyboard. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was stuck with the monitor. Um, so so those started happening. And then, then we, we made some progress with passwords. We started putting in rules. We started saying, let's refresh them every 90 days and make people change them and doing all those sorts of things. Well, those that, that totally backfired. And there was some research done by Microsoft that said the most secure um, password combination they've actually found is the four to six digit numeric pin. So yeah. as long as the system only lets you have a certain number of incorrect attempts, yeah, right? people are able to remember those pins, and if you can remember a pin, you're not writing it down somewhere. It's actually, uh, and then they say, don't change it because once once you've got it, don't change it because um, then the person doesn't have to think about it and write it down and do it somewhere else. So Microsoft turning around and saying, most you know, from a username password point of view, the pin's the most effective password, and that's statistics giving you results that you yeah. think are weird. Um, so we then made people change their passwords. We then limited the number of attempts they could do, but they're still not good enough because if I've got your password, I'm in. So yeah. you need to have a look at something you are um, or something you have. So something you are is biometrics, iris scanning, fingerprint scanning, oh, that kind of thing. Um, and that's that's quite hard to spoof obviously um most fingerprint scanners <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen a few movies where you know they walk around with an eyeball or a finger that does freak you out a bit <laughs> and one of the, the funky things about that is there's no system i've ever seen in the world where they've resorted to biometrics where you don't also have to put in a pin or a password so it's all very well digging the eye out of the villain, yeah, you've still um, got it. <laughs> but you've still got to say, what's your password, mate? He might not tell you. Um, so then there's that one. So um, And then there's the something you have. And, and, you know, over the last 10 years, everybody's kind of got a smartphone. Um, and so we can use the smartphone as something you have. So you've got a username, you've got a password, um, and then you've either got an authenticator app on your smartphone or we send you an SMS. Now, SMSs, text messages, aren't as secure as you think they are. It's not impossible to clone a SIM card, and it's not impossible to receive every text message that somebody else receives without ever touching them. So you've got to be really careful with that thing. Um, so I'd be focusing on using the authenticator apps, 
um, yeah. and getting it not to pop up something on your mobile phone, but when you try and log in, you do your username and your password. Once you've got that right, it pops up a screen. You have to go and open the Authenticator app, click on what you're trying to log into, grab the numeric thing and type that in and off you go. So Zero's new one isn't as good as what you it sounds. It's quite it's quite easy to work with, but um, yeah. But the other thing that you get with, you know, and, and I don't mind talking about Zero. Zero got their, their questions. Right, so that you know you're, yep. you're the street you lived on, and and those sort of things, and a lot of people just divert to that. But I would, I look at that and I go, they're not as secure as. But especially a, if you're using not, especially, especially if you're not on Facebook, and I, I don't know if you you, you you read Facebook, but every day there's one of these quizzes. Um, oh, name the street you first lived on because it's funny and. Um, yeah, yeah. Put um, the, the the street you first lived on and match that to your mother's maiden name, and that's your porn star name. Yeah. And I go, <laughs> Perry Hoxtonbach. Oh, that's not very good. <laughs> But that's not designed. That's designed to elicit electronically elicit those questions from you. So um, I stuffed up my zero authentication. So I've been using the questions for a, a little while, which is uh, not good at all, right? <laughs> but but I can't find the button where I can go reset my um, my multi-factor authentication to something else. But that's just me being. I'll lazy. show you that after the show. I'll show you, we'll jump on. I'll show you how to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I get some IT support for Nick. That's great. Yeah, look at that. So step one, step one, do multi-factor authentication, but. Step two, don't have a server, right? I've, I've always said. I was going to ask this. You can, <laughs> can you have multi-factor authentication on a server sure. in your premise? You can. Sure, but you, you've got to buy kit to do it. You've got to buy, <laughs> you've got to extra, buy a <laughs> extra hardware and software to do multi-factor authentication. So don't bother. Um, put it really, really put it all in the cloud. The other thing is if I can physically get access to your servers, um, or somebody who knows what they're doing can physically get access. That's the easiest way to hack someone. Oh, I right? saw it's... you do it. Remember when we had to do it for that client? You yeah. flew down to Melbourne, and yeah. we had to, and they, and they, to the the IT guy had quit and shut the doors and locked everything and shut yeah. the, taken all the passwords in his little tizzy fit, and everybody panicked. And we came in and they'd, um, they'd un, they, they, they had to. Saw the doors, saw holes in the doors to get into the server room. <laughs> yeah, good old locksmith couldn't couldn't get through. It's a really stiff lock, so he couldn't pick it. And, and um, in yeah, about, what, about four hours, you were in and done. And so we, we we got first access in about twenty minutes, and we had yeah. full access within about four hours. So it was doesn't take very long, and and that was every piece of data, right? We didn't didn't lose nothing was hidden, nothing was lost. And so. and, and you access, you can you know go through and. You know, sit across the road and access. If you really wanted to, you could be across the road, access their Wi-Fi account through their Wi-Fi account into yep. the server, and yep. you're done. Yep, no, absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's quite. That's there's tools and techniques to do that. There's hardware you can buy off Alibaba on on the net to do to go and do war driving. And what you do is you have this little piece of hardware that when anybody, what what you do is you log into their Wi-Fi network or you connect to it, and then you tell every device to reconnect, which is a standard thing you can do without authentication. When they reconnect, you pick up that data of them reconnecting and reauthenticating, and then you pretend to be them. So you don't even need to know the Wi-Fi password to get in securely to most Wi-Fi. So that's why you should put multi-factor authentication on your Wi-Fi too. If if you've got servers, if you don't have servers, your Wi-Fi is just like the same as Starbucks. Yeah, they get they get to use your internet. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Worst so, so cases what? they use your internet. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing is, um, um, yeah, so kind of social engineering, and, and not necessarily 
what you think of, which is people picking up the phone and talking to people, but people sending um, your staff emails that encourage them to go click on things. And, and one of the yeah. things we've been experimenting with and playing with is actually sending out um, uh, fake phishing and whaling emails um, that when they click on it, we actually know about it and we can go and do more training with with the staff. Because if you, if you think about it, how good are your team at identifying whether an email is real or not? Yeah. Exactly. And when I started in IT, and I'm sure when you started in accounting, everybody went on IT courses. You went on a Windows course, you went on an Excel course, you know, and all the providers offered that. Now nobody goes on any courses. You're you're given a PC and expected to know how to work it. Yeah, and um, part of the induction program should be the discussion around that. You know, here's the PC, yeah. this is what you use it for, not to be used for here. You know, we don't want, you know, um, don't access emails, understand that going through a program of your induction. Yeah, yeah, you do need it? to go through a program. And it's not, some of these Some of these are hard. Some of these I look at and go, oh, is that, no, it's not. Um, and and run, I run a set of standard checks. I look at the incoming email address. Is it, I know it says Trevor Shoemakers, but is it actually really one of Trevor's email addresses? Mm, um, mm. What does the attachment look like? If it's a .htm, I'm never, ever going to click it. Right? If Why it's a... Because .htm files are HTML files, which link you off to another website somewhere. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so fact, they, these are never, things that I don't know. I yeah, know. You never, never click on it. You never click you on never, an attachment very from someone simply, you don't know. <laughs> actually, never click on an attachment. Right. Because if you've got Office 365, people don't send you files. They send you links to files in OneDrive. Mm. Right. So never, never, never ever click on an attachment. Never click on a link from somebody you don't know or not unexpected. And if you're unsure at all, just pick up the phone and physically talk to the person. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Trevor, I just got an email from you. Is it real? Yeah. Right. Don't send them an email. Saying, <laughs> I just got an email from you because because one I had this great one with a customer where I got this spam email from. Uh, this dodgy email from one of their team members asking me to donate to something, blah, blah, blah. So I emailed her back and went, hey, is this for real? And she came back and said, yeah, no, absolutely it's for real. <laughs> so I, I phoned her and I went, is this for real? She went, no, not at all. And so yeah. I went, ah, you've been you've What are you really talking hacked. about? Yeah. yeah mm. And it happened. She'd received an email. She thought she knew who it was from. She clicked on something. It prompted with an Office 365 login or what looked like an Office 365 login. She didn't look at the URL it was going to because it was going to something dodgy. She put in a username and password. It failed three times. She went off and did something else. That gave the attacker her username and password they were able to use to log in. And, and you know, this industry is bigger than the drug industry now cyber attack oh it's it's, it's enormous it's, it, it's it's enormous and and it's not hard right everybody thinks oh you've got to be this bunch you've got these movie visions of these these I, I saw it in a newspaper the other day a guy wearing one of those anonymous masks and the picture underneath said a hacker in like the telegraph or something yeah. and uh, <laughs> hackers really don't look like that it's biz their businesses um they run all over the world and most yeah. of these tools you can download off the internet for very little money. In fact, there are there are there's um, hacking as a service, so you can actually go out and hire a company, um, and they'll go and hack a certain number of organisations for you. You can either pick, or you can say, "I want to hack all accountants in Australia," and they'll go and find all the accountants, and they're not hard to find. And then they'll go and do a targeted attack against every one of those organisations, and that will cost you about you know, 10k, maybe. Mm. So it's not 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 an expensive exercise and really quite frightening. I, I my, my, I'm just 
thinking about the media with China the other day about how you know, all the, you know, China promoted an, an attack on the <laughs> on various attacks on various other governments, and you go, well, yeah, it's probably. I, d- I don't know. Hard. I think they're I'm, all been I- doing it. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not necessarily. I don't necessarily have any intelligence which says whether things are state-sponsored or not. But certainly, the types of hacks they talk about aren't very hard to do. Yeah, right? they're yeah. talking about um, uh, you know making use of zero-day vulnerabilities. There's millions of people out there that know how to do that. It's not. It's way easier than people give it credit for. So they say, "Oh, it's got to be state-sponsored." No, it doesn't. It can be, you know, two guys in a basement. Straight yeah, out of uni, yeah. you know what they're and, doing. And you, and you do it, and you get millions and millions of dollars, and you get caught, you go to jail for six months, you're doing drugs yep. in most countries, you'll be hung. So, yep. um, you know, I think the government rules have got to expand a bit more around those sort of things. They've got to start catching and thinking about it, but I just don't think they care. Um, look at the own, the impact can be huge to certain small businesses. Mm. Um, big businesses like the big Channel Nine hack, they they coped, they worked through it, they managed to fix it all up. Yeah, you know, there's to be of... more embarrassed. Yeah, it's, it's more embarrassing. Financially than affected, else. it's more embarrassing that you know. Oh gosh, you know. But I, I think the, doing... the the fear is not in the big enterprise bit of the world where they've got people and skills and chief information security officers and all that kind of stuff. I think the risk is the risk to our economy is not very big of small businesses getting hacked or a small suburban accounting firm getting hacked or those sorts of things. But the individual risks, those individuals, the people listening to this who are business owners or directors of companies where they are on the hook for this. And I was reading an article by Nick Abrahams, who's the um, technology partner at Norton Rose, um, also a columnist for the Sydney Morning Herald. And Nick was saying it looks like the government are going to make cyber risk a director's responsibility. Right. So yeah, yeah. if you get a ransomware attack and you lose your business, that's and you haven't prepared your company properly and the government publish enough things for you to be able to do it, that will become your responsibility as a director. But realistically, if someone, you know, and I suppose you could say, okay, I've done the belts and braces. I've yep. put a lock on my door. I've put some, so, I've so, put an alarm so, in and all that. If someone wants to break into your house, yes, right, they'll get in, right? Mm-hmm. They'll smash a window. They'll put a hole in your wall. They'll get in yep. there. Depends on how much they, how much noise they want to make when they go in there. If someone wants to go and hack into your business, you know, I, I recall you had, you had, a, you had someone ask you to come and help out, and it was a that actually employed someone who was purposely put in to be the PA, PA to get a job as the PA of the CEO to yep. get his account to doesn't they stole money? You know, like how do you stop that? You can't. You- you don't. That's that's that, that's crime. But the government published something called the Essential Eight. So the Australian government does for for organisations that run on a primarily Microsoft platform. And yeah. the Essential Eight are eight things. Yeah, eight things you need to do plus a level of competencies you need to reach. And what's happening is the cyber insurers. So if you think about a director, the way you you get rid of that liability is you insure against it, right? Yeah. But the yeah, cyber yeah. insurers are now saying, in order for us to insure you. Just like you need locks on your windows or you, if you live in a rough neighborhood, you need gates in front of the ground floor. So whatever the things you need to do to secure your property, they're saying the same for your IT. It's no longer you can turn around and say, I hired this third party company and they did it all for me and I don't understand that stuff. Yeah. The, the excuse of I don't understand computers is going away very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. All right.
Cool. So, moral train yourself. Train your staff. Train your staff. <laughs> get that. Uh, um, Multi-factor multi authentication. Train your staff. Go to the cloud. There's the yeah. three things you could do tomorrow that would make a massive difference. We've been saying that for a long time. We have. <laughs> we, we, we have just different flavour today. That's it. Oh, that's awesome. Well, is that enough today, Nick? I think um, that's I, I been think, very that's, entertaining. That's pretty good for a, a day with both. So so here's, here's my prediction, seeing as we're in lockdown. I reckon Victoria will be out of lockdown before New South Wales. Oh, we that's so. <laughs> and then, then if if you are out of lockdown before New South Wales, that then proves that going fast and hard is the right thing to do in this scenario, doesn't it? Yeah, like I don't know. I, oh, Jesus, Nick, don't get all political on me. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was hoping I've said it before. I was hoping that Gladys was right. Um, but no, I, I think that this this virus has got um, is moved so fast that, it, that they they could they weren't prepared for it. Contact tracing wasn't doing it. They've hit it hard. They've gone for it. We've done it. We did it not long ago, and we've come out after a couple of weeks, and we've had to go again. Queensland. Um, uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do. They've got that one case that's gone up there. But if they if they can keep hold of them, then they they might be able to avoid lockdown. It just has such an impact on society you know it's the the the, the financial impact of this is it's going to be something we're going to hit, feel for a long time but i'm really starting to feel for some of these little small business owners that have had to shut down for a long time i think that um that this is going to hurt them this one yeah i, I agree i think that's crazy hard so on that note um, thank you for listening to the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat. I'm Nick. This has been Trevor. Um, if you are watching live streaming, um, make sure you like and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. Same with Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, you can also get our audio podcast and subscribe to that at the link, which is just below me down there. Um, so we'll put that in the comments. And um, thank you for listening and um, have a fantastic day. Thanks, Trev. Hey, I'll go and find something else to do. I bought a vacuum cleaner yesterday. Woohoo! <laughs> 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 See you later. <laughs> we'll talk about that a bit. Thanks, guys. Cheers. <laughs>